So Psalm 16, it's one of my favorite psalms. Uh, to me, it's a, a greatest hit of mine. And that's the thing about greatest hits, right? It's all, you know, it's all some, sometimes opinion, preference, you know, of, of what songs you like, what music you like to listen to. And uh, for me, Psalm 16 is, is one of those. Psalm 16 is about direction and about being on the right path and, and knowing that, you know, that the path that you're on, knowing that the direction that you go uh, will determine the destination. That, and that's really what this is about. This is about the direction of your life will determine the destination of your life. Um, one of the things I enjoy doing, I enjoy um, riding bike, uh, riding my bike, and uh, 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 not a motorbike, a bicycle, uh, and uh, <laughs> I don't have one of those. I have a bicycle, one of the, and I like to take it to places that, um, that I'm not familiar with. So this week, I spent uh, the week with our teenagers up at a camp in Lapeer. Uh, I took my bike up there, and uh, a couple t- times while they were swimming, I figured they were good. Everybody's in the water, and there was lifeguards. I figured they were fine. Uh, there was other leaders uh, there as well. So I would get on my bike, and I would just start riding. And, I, you know, again, not familiar with the area. I would just go and, you know, as, you know, as far as I can go, you know, maybe an hour out or so. And then before I, then I would start to get nervous because I didn't know where I was at, you know. I just started taking roads and things that I was like, oh, I'll go this way, you know, and I'll go this way. And, and then before I know it, I don't know where I'm at. Well, good thing for the maps on your phones, right? And so I had my maps on my phone, open up, map. oh, that's where I'm at. I'm in another county, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then I got to figure out how to get back, right? And then I, so I try to figure out which roads, you know, because I don't remember which roads I took, you know, which lefts or rights I took. You know, you just got to try to figure out how to get back. But I can't be mad when I get lost, right? It's not, it's not you know, the road's fault, you know? Like, it, you know, if I decide to go down a road, it's not the road's fault that I get lost. It's my fault, right? Because I determined a direction. I determined a path to go down. I determined which way I was gonna go, whether it was thought through, which most of the time it's not, you know, or on a whim, and, and, and that most of the time that's what it was. And the de- my destination determined the direction that I chose, the direction that I went. And that's really what David wants us to understand. And, and you know, sometimes I would ask myself this question, how did I get here, you know? How did I get here? How did I get to this place? Well, maybe that's a question that you've asked yourself in your life. Maybe you've arrived at a certain place in your life and you've asked that question to yourself, how did I get here? And it doesn't have to be, you know, a bad thing always, but, you know, you can look at your life and go, wow, I'm pretty proud of the things that where I'm at in my life and the things that I've achieved and the things that I've accomplished. And, you know, and, and, and how, how did I get here? You know, it was because I made this decision or this choice or this, you know, I made a wise decision here. That's what, how we always land at the place of how did I get here? But sometimes we wonder, we ask ourselves, we find ourselves in a destination in our life where we say, how did I get here? Well, it was the direction, it was a choice that you made that you determined to go down a certain road and the road that you chose to go down led you to that destination. It isn't the road's fault. It's ours. It's our fault. So David, at the last verse in the psalm, says this, and I I hope that this just 
comes alive for you uh, this morning. Uh, David, in the last verse of this psalm, says this. In Psalm 16, verse 11, he says, You will make known to me the path of life. He says, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Isn't that the path that you want to go down? Isn't that, isn't that what you want to experience in your life? I know that's what I want to experience in my life. I want to know that he makes known to me the path of life, not the path of hurt, not the path of struggle, you know, not the path of, you know, of, of, of disappointment that he's making known to us the path of life, that in his presence is the fullness of joy. Like no other joy can be found anywhere else outside of the presence of God, that in his presence is the fullness of joy and pleasures forever. That's here and in all of eternity. That's now and all of eternity. And I hope, that you choose today. I hope that you decide today that you're gonna want to get on the path of life that leads to life. I hope that you decide today that you're wanting to get on the trail that leads to the fullness of joy, being in his presence and enjoying the pleasures of what God can give to you and that nothing else in this world can give to you, that God can give to you, and those pleasures are forever. You want that? Yeah. All right. Well, let's find out how David got to that place. Let's find that out. Verse number one. Here's what he says. He says, preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. Verse two. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good besides you. So the first thing that David describes God as, and the first way that we can look at and how to get on the right path, the path that leads to life, the, the path where the fullness of joy can be found, the path that where there's pleasures forever, is to have God be your safe shelter. Have God be your safe shelter. Rachel, can you put verse one back up again? Here's where we found that. Verse one, he says this, preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. That God is our, our safe shelter. He's our refuge. He's our sanctuary. And he says this. He says, I want you to know that when God, when you are my refuge, that you preserve me. You preserve me. You protect me. You don't allow anything from this life to contaminate my heart. God, when you're my safe place, when you're my safe shelter, that you are the one that is preserving my life, giving me hope, giving me joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, giving me pleasures that are forever. God, when you are my safe shelter, then that's when I know that I'm preserved. He says, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord, and no good, no good, verse two, if you could, no good besides you. There is no good. I have no good beside you. Verse three, here's what he says. Look what he says now. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom, all, whom is all my delight. So what he's saying is this. How is God our safe shelter? How is God going to preserve us? What would help us in that preservation? What's going to help us get on the right path? 
that's going to lead to, you know, to life? What's going to get us on the right path that's going to lead to, you know, the fullness of joy? Well, he says this. He says, for the saints who are in, on the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. So David is saying this. You know what helps me? You know what preserves me? You know what keeps me on the right path? He says, when I delight in the saints, when I delight in the saints. Now, here's what David is saying. David is saying, those who are the people of God, he says, my delight, when he describes the saints, he's describing the people of God. By the way, if you, wherever, whatever background you are, whatever denomination you come from, here's what the Bible says about saints. The, what the Bible says about saints is this. When you put your faith in Jesus and you received his love and you received his forgiving grace, you have then now become no longer a sinner, but you become a saint. That's what you become. You have your identity point in the eyes of God is you are a saint. So when David's writing this, he's describing the people of God. And he's saying, here's how you preserve yourself. Here's how you take a safety in the, in the refuge of God. By delighting in the saints. In other words, by spending time with people of God. That's how you are preserved. That's how you stay on the right path. By spending time with the people of God. I spent a whole week with a bunch of saints. Now, they don't look like a bunch of saints, but they are. I spent a whole week with a bunch of saints. They're incredible. You know what I had? I was delighted. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm probably coming down with a cold, but... It was, it was enjoyable. I love spending time with them they're, they're, because they're, they're young, you know, and, they're, and their faith is raw, and they're still trying to grow and mature, and aren't we all, you know, aren't we all, you know, and, and it's, but it was just delightful, you know, they, they, they let me pay for their snacks, you know, <laughs> it was so nice of them. So nice of them to do that. And, and they let me, but more importantly, you know, they let me play with, in their games, you know, and, you know, here's this old guy trying to keep up with them, you know, and they're letting me play with them. But you know what the best part of it, you know what brought me the most delight? And one of the kids asked me this question. He said, hey, pastor, what was the most enjoyable thing? What was the funnest thing that you did this week? And you know what my answer was? My answer was this. I get to preach to you guys. That was the most enjoyable, now, I enjoyed it myself immensely, but the most enjoyable thing that I was able to do is that for a short period of time, they were sitting in this little old chapel area, and I got to present the word of God to them, and I got to inspire them, at least I tried, I got to encourage them in the things of God. I mean, it was, it was delightful for me. And you know what they did for me? They, kept, they keep me on the right path. You know what they're doing for me? They're preserving me. They're preserving me. And they're a bunch of little young saints. And that's what we're, were we doing that for each other at least? Anybody that was there? All right, good, good, good. We were, they were like, eh, I don't know. I don't know what you were there for, old man. But they were delighted. I was delighted. I was delighted. Why? Because I'm hanging out with the saints. I'm hanging out with the saints. And this is what David said. David says, you know where my delight is? My delight is with the people of God. I'm telling you, Juan was talking about these empower groups. 
You know what that's for? That's for you to stay preserved. That's for you to stay you know, connected and to stay on the right path so that when your life goes by and you don't ask, you don't say to yourself, how did I get here? How you, how you spare yourself from that, you know, that question that is sometimes and oftentimes discouraging is that when you delight in the saints and you get yourself into a group and you allow that group to care for you and nurture you and you do the same for them, it's just this idea of fellowship and community that God designed the people of God to be. This is why we gather on Sunday at 11. Now, could you go online and listen to a message? Absolutely, absolutely. But you know what the benefit of the church is? The benefit of the church is when the church comes together, the body of Christ comes together. That's the beauty of it. And that's when we really delight in the saints. I'm telling you, David said, this is what I have done so that I can experience pleasures forever. So I can know that I'm on the right path. So that I don't ever have, to, ever have to ask myself, how did I get here? And be discouraged by that. And David says, you need to be preserved. You need to find that safe shelter. And that safe shelter is God. And it's found in the delight of the saints and being together as the ch in the church. That's where it's found. He says another thing, another reason why, how we stay preserved is this. Look at, it says in verse number four. It says, the sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied. So this is a great concept for us to remember. He says, the sorrows of those who have bartered for another God, another idol, in other words, something else that has taken the place of the one true God, something else that has taken the place of Jesus in your life, something that, is, that you have given more credence to, something that you've given more time to, something that you've given more resources to, something that you've given more energy to, that, is, that becomes your God. That becomes your God. That could be your job. It could be your career. Uh, that could be a certain relationship. That they, they become more important than your relationship with, with the Lord. Uh, that could be some sort of substance abuse. That could be a substance that you put in your life and put in your body that is, that is harmful to you. That becomes your idol or that becomes your, your God. It, there's a long, long list of things. It could be your physical appearance. It could be, you know, your, uh, some sort of sports or athletics. It, it could be a, a number of things, hundreds and hundreds of things that could be your God, could be your God. And David said this, those things that you place at a higher value than your relationship with Jesus, he says, all that will happen to you is this, that your sorrow will be multiplied. Your sorrow will be multiplied. He says, I shall not. He said, David says, I'm, I'm not even going to pour out the drink offerings of blood, nor will I take their names upon my lips. David says, these are, these are so destructive to my life. These are so harmful to my life. These other gods, these other things that I place more important in my life. He says, these are so harmful in my life. I'm not even going to speak of their names. I'm not even going to bring them up. I'm not even going to mention any of them because they just multiply our sorrow. So point number two is this. He says, listen, you need to ditch. You need to ditch multiplied sorrows. 
You need to divert from multiplied sorrows. You want to stay preserved? Don't allow the things in your life. Don't allow the things in your life that will be detrimental to your growth, to be detrimental to you going down a path where you ask yourself, how did I get here? David goes on and describes it this way. Look at verse 5, if you, if you would. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. So he's still talking about the idea of what else? What else are you placing? What is it that you're putting as a more of a priority in your life? What is it that you're deciding that is more valuable or more important than your relationship with the Lord? He says, for me, I'm not even going to speak of it. For me, it's not even going to come out of my lips and, and mention their name. He says, for my Lord is the portion of my inheritance, and he's my cup. So here's what David is describing. Pray that I don't spill this. I made it. Thank you. David, David is saying, here's what it's like. David says, on our table is a variety of cups. In our life, there's a variety. In your life, in my life, there's a variety of things that are vying for your affection. Do you hear me? They, they, want to, they want you to make that thing an important thing. Really, it's the enemy that wants you to, wants you to delve into these things that are only going to multiply your sorrow. He, he's wanting to rob you of, of that fullness of joy that God has for you. He's wanting you to go on a path and that at the end of the path you decide or you ask yourself, how did I get here? He wants to rob you of what God can only give you and those are pleasures forever. So the enemy is saying, look at, look at the table. Look on the table. There's a lot of options. There's overwork, your career, that becomes your idol. There's a, a relationship that becomes your idol. There's a... Your physical appearance is something that more, more important than anything else in your life. There's, I, I, you know, who, there's athletics. There's substance abuse. You see all the different things? You see all the different things? And he even makes them look good, doesn't he? He even makes them look good. He says, but for me, David says, for me, for me, I'm choosing the Lord's cup. He says, yeah, there's, there's a lot of options for me. Yeah, there's a lot of things that even look good. And, for, and maybe you're sitting there going, and I know my kids were doing the same. My kids were like, Dad, I'd rather drink the blue one. I'd rather drink the red one. And some of you are going, I'd rather drink the white. But listen, that's, that's what the enemy is going to get you to, to believe. He's going to get you to believe that the other ones are good. The other ones are, are better. But, God, but David's saying, no, 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 no. My portion or my cup is the Lord's. That's what I'm going to drink from. That's what I'm going to dedicate my time to. That's what I'm going to put as a priority. Because all the other ones that you drink from, he's saying this, you're going to thirst again. And they're only going to multiply your sorrows. The other things that you choose in your life, you're going to thirst again. But this one, Jesus says, I'm the living water. Jesus says, I'm the drink, I'm the cup, I'm the living water, that when you drink from me, you'll never, ever 
thirst again. When you drink from me, you're going to find yourself on the path of life. When you drink from me, you're going to have the fullness of joy. When you drink from me, you're going to experience pleasures forever. Oh, these, these will give you pleasures for a short time, but at the end of the day, these things will multiply your sorrow. You hear me? These things will rob you of your joy. This is the fullness of joy. These will rob you from it. This is, these are the things that God says stay away from. This is what he wants you to take a part of. David says, he is my portion. He is my cup. In him is, he's your safe shelter found in him. He's the one that will preserve you. That's our God. That's our God. Now, David says not only is he our safe shelter that will preserve you, that, will, that you can delight in the saints and you can, you know, divert from multiply, you know, multiplied sorrow. David says I, I, not only that, but da he is our sovereign support. Look what it says now in the second part of verse 5. You support my lot. You support my lot. He's our sovereign support. He says, you support my lot. Now, a lot is this. A lot is something that they would cast at random. A lot was something that they would, you know, they would cast these lots to determine or to make a decision about something. So they would cast these lots. For example, um, Jonah. Jonah. Remember the story of Jonah? Jonah disobeyed God went in the opposite direction that God told him to go and went to uh, Tarshish, got on a boat, heading in the opposite direction away from Nineveh where God called him, called him to go. The storm came while Jonah was on the boat. Remember the storm? The storm came. The storm is in there, and they're getting ready to sink. The boat is getting ready to sink, and, and they're starting to throw all their cargo off and as much stuff as they can so that, you know, the, to try to spare them some time. They start to realize that the storm is there, and they believe this about God at that time, that the storm was there because of somebody. <laughs> there was a, there was, God was mad at somebody, and they were right. They were right. And so they start, they, it says that they cast lots. Casting lots is like rolling the dice. Casting lots is like drawing straws. Casting lots is like flipping a coin. Casting lots is like spinning the wheel and whatever it lands on, you know, that's, that's who's, who's it. And so they cast lots. And you know what it fell on? It fell on Jonah. So what they did was, was random, but in reality, it was sovereign. What they did was random, but in reality, it was sovereign. Now, this is what David is saying. David is saying, God, what seems sometimes to be random, in actuality, it's sovereign. In actuality, what I mean by sovereign is this, that God is in control over everything, every circumstance, every situation, everything that in life that you think is random, it isn't. Everything in life that you think is an accident, it isn't. And in David saying, God, whatever seemed to be random, 
I know that it's not. I know that you are sovereign, and in your sovereignty, you're going to support whatever my lot is in life. Have you ever heard that phrase, my lot in life? Have you ever, anybody ever? That's what it's talking about. Whatever my lot in life is, whatever happens to me, God, I know that you allowed it. So um, this week, I was talking to one of our uh, teens, and, and she was um, telling me, uh, giving me an answer to a challenge that I gave to her a, a number of weeks ago. The challenge that I gave to her was this. She came to my office. She said, Pastor Chris, I just saw a doctor. I've got to have ACL surgery on my knee and a meniscus repair. Something along those lines. Close enough. <laughs> ACL surgery. And, so, and she was so bummed. You're talking about a 17-year-old kid who's active. I mean, she's a cheerleader. She's on the lacrosse team at Wald Lake Central. She's just an active kid. She serves in our church. I mean, she's just, she does everything and she's everywhere. And so she's bumming. She's like, Pastor Chris, like, you know, I'm gonna be having the surgery and then I'm gonna be laid up and then I gotta be on crutches and I, and I can't do this and I can't do that. And I said, listen, I know how you feel. I said, when I was your age, I had to be on crutches too and it was the hardest thing in my life, because when you're 16, 17 years old, you're just active, right? And so I said, listen, and you know what I, I said? I told her this. I said, you know what I didn't do? I said, when I was 16, 17 years old, I didn't ask God what he was doing. You know what we like to ask God? Why, God? Why, God? Why, God? Why? Why me? Why, why, why? But, but in reality, there's always a what. God, what are you doing? Because God's always doing something, because God is sovereignly in control. And so I said to her, I said, listen, you need to find out what God is doing. I wasn't mature enough. I wasn't as spiritually advanced in my faith when I was 16, 17 years old as you are. And I want to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to find out what God is going to say to you. And so this week, she asked me to go on a canoe ride, which I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. But inside, I'm like, yeah, you know, like, like there's a kid that wants to hang out with an old guy, you know, like. Like, I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, no problem. No, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. You know, but yeah, I was like super pumped. And so, she, so she's, telling me, she's telling me about what God has revealed to her. And I was just so blown away. I was in tears. I'm trying not to. Did you know I was crying? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm like in tears. And so, Carly, come on up if you can. This is Carly. Carly's going to share what God, what God has said to her through this process. So, you know, I'm kind of a give it your all or don't give anything kind of girl. So in sports, that's how I am. I give it my all and I just keep going. So I got hurt and I just kept going. And I didn't stop. I didn't really see a doctor. I just kept going. And inside, I knew that I was hurt. And I was like, oh, I'm hurt. But I didn't want to stop. So I didn't. I went to a doctor, and he's like, oh, you have to have surgery. You tore this and this. And I'm like, I messed up. <laughs> so like Pastor Chris was saying, you know, I, like, I can't be mad at the road I chose. And I chose to go in a different direction than what God was telling me. And I had to pay the price of surgery and learn the lesson that I got from that. And... Um, you know, I, yeah, I was really bummed. I saw Pastor Chris, you know, I can't do a lot of stuff. For, like for VBS, I wanted to do the skits, 
and I wanted to be a listening leader, but I couldn't do that because I was on crutches. And so for a while, I was really, really bummed. I'm like, you know what? Like, what are you doing, God? Like, are you serious right now? I can't do anything. I'm on crutches. This isn't me. I'm not a sit-down kind of person. So one day, I was just sitting there, and I was listening to, like, worship music and talking to God, and I just heard him say, like, you know, I have this, and you're going to keep going and keep fighting through it. And he told me, like, you need to sit down. I need you to sit down because you keep going so fast, and you don't stop, and you're not listening. So I took a step back, and I looked around, and I just saw that, like, all the opportunities that, like, I, that was taken from me went to other people. And they got to have those opportunities to share with everybody else and to share with the kids of EBS. Like, if I wasn't laid up, I could have been a listening leader and took it from somebody else who needed to be that. And one of my friends got to do that, and I got to watch them just really, like, show kids God. And they got that confidence with that. And with the skits, when my friends got to be my part, and I was a little upset, <laughs> but, you know, it gave her the confidence to go up there and do that and to have fun with it. So just because my opportunities were taken away doesn't mean that everybody else's was taken away. And it just made me see, like, how God influenced their life and how I influenced it, too. And um, I also, like realized once I hurt myself that, like, I didn't have time for other things, and I kind of had to get, like, it got taken away from me because, you know, I was, like, in bed for a while, and I couldn't do anything, so I was just sitting around, and I realized how distracted I really am. Like, I was not spending the time that I needed with God. I was on my phone. Like, I found myself on my phone all the time, and I got bored of my phone and bored of TV, and I was like, I'm just not spending the time with God. So it allowed me to delete apps on my phone and to give me that time with God and to worship him. And like in the morning when I do my stretches, I listen to worship music and I talk to him. And he just helps me get through it because I know that he has a plan for me in that I need to spend this time with him because I'm growing from this. And on the retreat, we got asked like, where is the part of your life that you think you grew the most in God and I was like you know I think this is the part of my life that I grew the most because it gave like it this, this took me away from other things that I wanted to do and it allowed me to grow with God and just to spend that time with him and realize that you know I'm thankful that this happened to me so then I could sit back and watch other people grow in God and just see what God can do for other people. Seventeen-year-old kid, wasn't that amazing? Seventeen. I don't, you don't even want to know what I was doing at seventeen. <laughs> but I wasn't asking those questions. I wasn't asking God, "What are you going to do?" And God said, "This is what I why I did that." Boy, that's amazing. David says next. He says in verse six, he says, "The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places." You know where Carly is right now? She's in a pleasant place. She's in a pleasant place. And whatever it is that happened in your life, and maybe your circumstance is a lot harder than some knee surgery, and I'm sure it is. 
but I just want you to know something, that there is a God who's sovereign, who supports your lot in life. He supports your lot in life. Instead of asking the question, why, God? Why? Maybe ask the question, what, God? What are you doing? What are you doing? And just like he answered the question for Carly some random night while she was doing her stretches, listening to her music, he might actually speak to you too. I believe he will. And what you'll find is you'll find yourself, if you are listening, you'll find yourself, what David said, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. And what Carly can say right now is that the experience, even though she's bumming about it, even though it's hard for her to, her to move around, the experience is she, it is beautiful to her. And the experience will be beautiful to you. Your lot isn't fair. I understand that. And God certainly understands that. But there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. And David says, my support comes from God. My support comes from God. If you get this, you're on the right path. If you get this, you're on a path that is leading to the fullness of joy and pleasures forever. You are. David finishes up the psalm by saying this in verse 7. He says, I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. That word counseled there means, that word, it means comfort, comfort, comfort. That's what it means. That God will, and he is a comf comfort God. He is a God that understands. He, un he understands what you're going through. He gets your struggles. He gets your temptations. He gets the things that you're battling with. He understands where you're coming from and, and, and the lot that you were given in life. But he is, he is a comfort to all of us. He says in verse 8, he says, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand, meaning he's always with me. God hasn't left me. Why? Because the, in the fullness of joy is, is the presence of God. He says, he's at my right hand. He, is, he has been set continually before me. I'm always going to look, look to the comfort of God. I'm always going to look toward and let him instruct me. He, and, and, the, and David says, at night, which means night after night after night, David would lay in bed and say, God, what is it that you want me to know? God, what is it that you want me to understand? God, what is it? How is it? And God would come as a comfort to him. Because we have a God who sympathizes with you. Do you see? You understand? You have a God who sympathizes with your weaknesses. That Jesus came to this earth and took on flesh and blood. And he experienced hardships. He experienced temptation. He experienced loss. He experienced difficulties. He experienced all of it. That's why the Hebrew writer says that. He says, God, Jesus, understands your weaknesses. He understands your pains. He understands your hurts. I talked to a mom who lost her son. And she was devastated by the fact that she lost her son, obviously. And she said, she said, 
I know that God is with me. I know he's at my right hand. I know he's my comforter, but I don't understand why I had to lose my son. I don't get that. And I told her, I said, God gets that. She said, what do you mean? How can God get that? I said, because God lost his son too. She said, he does understand everything, doesn't he? I said, yeah, he certainly does. He's an unshakable comforter for you. And when you can understand that there's a God who's always at your right hand, who's always with you, and he's always for you, regardless of the lot that you go through, you'll be on the right path. You will stay on the right path. And eventually that path will lead to the fullness of joy. Eventually that path will lead to pleasures forever, better than anything else that this world can offer. Do you, are you with me, church? He says, I have continually set him before me. And he went from, you got to see this, he went from verse 1 to say, God, preserve me, to, to verse 8 saying, I will not be shaken. In other words, you are preserving me. I will not be moved. I will not be shaken. He says in verse 9, therefore, because I will not be shaken, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell in shaken securely like he's, he's talking about this what God is going to do he's going to make your heart glad your heart is going to rejoice and you're going to feel secure in his presence and this isn't just for now this is forever this isn't just for now this is forever that God wants to do for you and for me he says in verse 10 which is this is a, a, a prophecy of Jesus but he says this about us as well. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, which is hell. You won't abandon me. My soul will not go to hell. Nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. So he's talking, he's prophesying about Jesus. But he's also talking about us. And what Jesus has done for us. And here's what Jesus said. Because I want you to see it. So I wrote it down for us all to, to, to see. He says this, God will bring you body and soul through life and death to full and everlasting pleasure. If he is your safe shelter, if he is your sovereign support, if he is your secure comforter, God will bring you through life, bring you through death. And he will be your comforter. He will be your shelter. He will be your support forever, forever. That's the kind of God we have. I want you to stay on the right path. I don't want you to ask yourself, how did I get here? God doesn't want you to ask yourself, how did I get here? God says, this is what you need to know about me. This is how it helps you stay on the right path. Let's read verse 11 again, just so that we can be reminded of it. And you got to remember who's writing this. David is writing this. David, the guy who, who took down lions and bears and giants. I mean, if anybody could talk about their glory days back in high school, it was David. Like, you can bring your football story to the table, and David was like, I took down a lion, man, and then you would be done for, and David would get all the glory for it. This is David. David not only was physically supreme, David was emotionally supreme. David was like, he was like, uh, could rip, could shred on the harp, man. Like, he was... 
He had skills on the harp. He, he was a songwriter. So he was physically supreme, and he was emotionally supreme, and yet he had all of that going for him, yet he knew this. God is the one who takes me down the path of life. God is the one who gives me the fullness of joy. God is the one where there's he's holding in his right hand the pleasures forever. It's God. Don't forget who's writing the psalm, everybody. Don't forget that. He's the one that has everything that you're looking for. He's the one holding it in his hand. Waiting for you to go, God, I'm going to stay on this path where you are. God, I'm going to let you lead and guide where you are. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you provide a path for us, a way to life beginning now on this earth, leading into all of eternity. God, you, you have a path for us. God, you, um, in your right hand, are pleasures forever. So we're going to lean into you. We're going to confide in you. We're going to find you as our comforter, find you as our sovereign Lord and in control of all things. And God, we're going to trust you, knowing that you contain, you have the fullness of joy. The thing that we all long for, to have, which is non-circumstantial, which doesn't depend on whether we're having a good day or a bad day. You just give us the fullness of joy, and we have that joy regardless of the circumstances that we go through in this life. You support our lot in this life. You support it. You're with us through it. You teach us what it is that you want us to understand through it. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.